Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 183. And today in the show, Dan and I are recounting the highs and lows of our rut hunting vacations. One of us kills, one of us blows the best opportunity of the season, and we both share a lot of stories about the most exciting, stressful, maddening, thrilling, and ultimately marvelous times of year. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And um, I'm sitting in a hotel room right now and sitting next to me in the other bed is uh, Josh Furter Hilliard. And uh, we were trying to get him on the podcast with us, but he made things difficult. So it's just me and Dan. Um, but that will be the only disappointment in today's podcast episode, because otherwise, well, that's not that's not true at all, Dan. Actually, <laughs> we're gonna have some amazing stories of good things, and yep. then some soul crushing stories of bad things. Today is today is uh, rut hunting stories. Just you and me, recapping our rut vacations, and uh, I don't know. Does that sound like something you're happy to talk about today? Dude, I'm ready to talk. I'm good at talking. You know that. You know, we were just talking about how you're also the brains of the operation, too. Right. No, a lot of people look at me and go, that guy is good at moving stuff or, like, loading <laughs> trucks. And <laughs> and what they don't know is I'm the brains. You're also you know, the Mark, brains. You're the you're the you're the guy. I'm the goatee. Yeah, you're you're the goatee. <laughs> what have you have you ever seen uh, the show? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. Where, where where they have the conversation about? No no no, man. I'm the wild. I'm card. the wild. No card. no no no. I want to be the wild card. You're definitely Charlie in our group. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm the guy who goes into basements kills and beats the rats. Bat, yeah. Bats. yeah. You have one job: Sniffing clean the glue. bathrooms and beat rats. <laughs> Yep, that's you. <laughs> oh man! So, um, what were we gonna talk about? The rut, deer. The rut, yeah, deer. deer. That's right. Deer. I that's forgot good. what this podcast was about yeah, for a that's, second. That's that's usually what we talk about. Um, okay, so so yeah, today since you know we are everybody really is in the midst of marathon hunting right now. Um, figured rather than try to bring some guest on. We should just talk about what we've been doing because uh, I know both of us have been in the woods a lot, um, and we both have a lot of news to share. Um, but I don't know. Do we want to start with the good news or the bad news, Dan? Well, I tell you what, I got a lot to say. <laughs> so why don't why don't we start with you? I want to find out about this slipping through the fingers thing that you mentioned, and. Uh, Let's let's talk about Holyfield and your journey right now. Okay. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to thank our partners at Sitka Gear. And today, rather than sharing a Sitka story like we usually do, I actually just wanted to give you a heads up about a video I recently produced all about my own Sitka Gear whitetail system. I get dozens and dozens of emails and questions about you know what kind of sick of gear do you wear which items do you wear at which times of year why do you like this piece but not that piece etc etc um so i finally put together a video that details all of that 
So go over to the Wired to Hunt YouTube page, and you're going to see there um, within the Wired to Hunt weekly playlist, you're going to see a video there that's titled Reviewing My 2017 Sitka Gear Whitetail System. And in that, I go through all the pieces of clothing that I wear, why I wear them, why I like them, at what times of the year I wear what, and a bunch of stuff like that. So check it out to learn some more about what I'm wearing as far as Sitka Gear. And if you'd like to learn more about Sitka Gear for yourself, possibly try some yourself, you can go to sitkagear.com. And now let's get back to my story. So the story of Holyfield and where I am right now. Um, last time we chatted in the podcast, it was after the Holyfield question mark incident. Remember that? Yep. Yep. So I had continued hunting, you know, after that date, I think that day was, um, that was Halloween. I think that um, we had the, the question mark incident a couple days later, two, three days later, um, I'd I'd been hunting Hadn't been seeing much. Had started to see some younger bucks chasing around, things like that. Um, but fast forward to, I think it was November 3rd, maybe? November yeah. 3rd, November 4th. And uh, I went back to the same stand for the first time since I'd been there Halloween to that stand again. And this is a morning hunt, though. And around like 9.30 in the morning, I look across the food plot into this area of cover exact same place where I had seen Holyfield on Halloween, where I thought I'd seen Holyfield. And actually, let me take a step back. (laughs) Uh, There's a long-standing joke with me and a couple of my friends that whenever I take a leak off the tree stand, it attracts deer. So Mm -hmm. you know the story of Six Shooter. I was peeing, and then he showed up, and I shot him. Um, And then a few years later, I was filming Furter hunting in Ohio. And... uh, (laughs) He's just cracking up over here every time I say his name. Um, we're I was filming him, and it was like the middle of the day. I'm like, "Hey, man, I gotta take a leak, so I'm probably gonna probably gonna have a big buck show up." And as I'm taking a leak off the tree stand, a big like 140 class eight pointer shows up. Um, well, that happened again. I'm taking a leak, and I happen to look over my left shoulder, and I see movement in the brush over there, and I'm like, "Holy crap, that's Holyfield." pulled up my binos and he was basically in the same place he was Halloween, but this time he was heading the other direction. Um, and kind of, I just got binos on him confirmed like, yeah, for sure. That's him. And then, um, I'm reaching for my bow and grabbing my stuff. And then he slips back in the cover. I try grunt. I try snort wheeze, but I could never see him again. He just disappeared. Yeah. So I'd now seen him in the same spot twice in two hunts from this little area so at midday i went back to my house i got a tree stand and sticks and i decided to go in there and hang a stand so it'd only be a move of like 60 yards just to the other side of this food plot um but um but i went hung a new stand in there and this is right on like very near the property line so i I just have a very small sliver of, of of woods it's a big chunk of timber but i my property only goes into like very like 20 yards in there, 30 yards in there. Um, but he had passed on my side of the line when he came through those two times. So I set up in there for the afternoon hunt. Um, it was gonna be a rainy day. So it started pouring rain and I was just underneath my tree umbrella trying to stay dry. And, um, long story short on that sit, I noticed a doe coming across the field 
and she had that look about her. You know how that that is when she's kind of looking back over her shoulder, her tail's flicking and stuff. I'm like, yeah. she's got to be a buck, got to be a buck. And then I pull my binoculars, kind of scanning from the doe back behind her, and then bam, out of the tall grass, big rack, and there's Holyfield. Yeah. And he comes out of this brush and then bounces towards her, and then they run across the way into some more brush. So that was another quick encounter. Um, How close was he at that point? mm, Probably 100 100 yards maybe, something like that. But, again, on the neighbors. Um, And then they disappear. So I'd seen him that morning, and then I saw him that night. But it was quick. Now um, I hunted the rest of the night, pouring torrential rain. The next day was going to be like the mid-60s and thunderstorms all day. So I actually took that day off from hunting. The first day I took off after 12 straight days of hunting, took a day off to deal with some stuff at home and just get caught up on some things that I had not been attending to. Figured if I have to take off a day, a day of of crazy torrential downpours and thunderstorms would be the day to do it. So I took the day off. I think that was November 5th. So then November 6th comes back, and I said, all right, I'm going to go right back to that same stand. So I go back in that morning to the new stand I'd hung and I don't know, an hour or two into the sit after seeing some young bucks bumping around and stuff, same kind of thing happens. I see a doe coming across this sort of grassy, brushy clearing watching the doe. Boom. There's Holyfield again. But this time he's kind of hanging back. He's maybe 50 yards behind the doe and the doe moves off and heads into the brush. And then he kind of is just standing on the edge of this kind of brushy opening looking around, yeah. and then he starts heading my direction. And this is the first time I got footage of him all year, the first time I actually had time to get the camera on him. So I got some pretty good footage of him coming across this opening, and he gets to within maybe 70 yards, maybe. Um, and then he turns to head north. He kind of had been angling like he was going to come my way, but he didn't. He turned and started heading directly away from me, sort of back towards the general area that Doe went. At that point... I grunted once to him. He stopped and looked right at me. Looked for a couple seconds. Yeah. And then turned and started walking, continuing the way he went. So I'm like, all right, well, let me try a snort wheeze. And I snort wheezed once. He turned. I'm trying to remember what he did. He either turned and looked at me for a half second, or maybe he didn't turn at all. Um, all I remember for sure is he bounced away. He bounded away from the snort wheeze. Um, maybe like two, three bounds, stopped, turned, looked back in my direction. And then turned back and then walked, kind of walked slash jogged straight straight away into the cover and disappeared. So that was that morning. Man. Kind of bummed about that because I, you know, now that he, he didn't like something that came from this direction. So I'm thinking to myself, well, it's probably unlikely that he's going to come this way now today. Um, you know, he, he obviously does not um, react well to calling. I, I hoped this year he might be even more, you know, that type of grumpy old dominant buck that maybe would uh, react the right way to that, but he didn't. Um, you know, I tried calling to him a couple of days beforehand, and I couldn't see his reaction because he disappeared in the brush. Um, so I don't know how he reacted to it, but he definitely didn't come in. Um, and now this time I saw him kind of spook from it. And now yeah. when I look back to last year, um I've, I tried calling to him at different times and, and never had success either. So now I've kind of seen him. Okay, he's just not. He's been. There's too many other hunters around. Here. He's he, he's heard too many things. He's had too many bad um, experiences. I think. I just don't think that's going to work on him. So, 
I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, I got to change things up tonight. And then um, I happen to catch a little flicker off in the distance, pull up my binos, there's a doe. I'm looking at the doe, and she's like, it's by, it's like 11.30 or noon by now. And she's just kind of standing on the edge of this cover. And, you know, I feel like whenever I see a doe that's not doing something on purpose, like she's just kind of standing there awkwardly, um, yeah. kind of just looking around but not moving, not feeding. It's just that look of that This kind of looks like a doe that's, you know, with a buck. So I just start, right. like, meticulously scanning all, all the brush around her. She's kind of standing on the edge of, I'm not sure what this is. It's Maybe it's like a... Like a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, shoot, Russian olive bush or something like that. Is that a thing? Um, Could be. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Sounds good. It's unprofessional. Um, <laughs> so she's standing by a bush. <laughs> right. And, okay, um, good, good, good. <laughs> and I'm scanning, scanning, scanning. Then all of a sudden I see a little flash of light and I focus in my eyes there and then I can pick out what looks like a curving tine and the more I look at it I see a glimmer of white and I see a flicker of an ear and then all of a sudden it, like this like it's like you're looking at like one of those remember, do you remember those books as a kid these 3d books where you look at this image and then if you stared at it the right way all of a sudden this 3d image appeared out of it oh yeah yeah that's oh, yeah. kind of what this was like. You couldn't see anything, but if you just stared at it long enough and you kind of start picking things out, all of a sudden the silhouette of this rack appeared, um, and I realized that it was Holyfield bedded there with this doe. This was about 150 yards, maybe. Okay. And um, so he's bedded with this doe about 150 yards away, and I watched him for maybe two hours um, there with the doe. Every once in a while, he'd stand up, he'd take a leak, he'd make a rub he'd bed back down he'd get up he'd walk around in a circle he'd bed back down um it was just really cool to get to watch him in that kind of you know setting and see completely relaxed yeah completely relaxed just bedded doing his thing um and then i'm sitting there debating okay what should i do tonight um my thought process was okay he's he's i think he's with this doe he's gonna go wherever this doe takes him um but Based on the fact that he heard something over here this morning that he didn't like, I'm thinking it's pretty unlikely he's going to come this way. But I can see him right now, so I don't really want to leave when I can see him. But at the same time, I don't feel great about his chances of coming this way. Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking about all this, and I'm thinking that most of the activity I'd been seeing in the evenings had been moving off to the west. So... Man, I got the freaking hiccups. I always have the hiccups when we record podcasts for some reason. I think it's nerves. You, you're still not used to this. You, yeah, that might be it. This is this is very <laughs> nerve wracking for me. Um, so I'm thinking in my head. I think I want to move up to the far western stand up there where most of my encounters of them have been. But is that stupid to leave while I'm got eyes on him? Well, end up helping me make that decision because. Maybe one one thirty, um, he got up and walked away and went out of sight. Yeah. So at that point, okay, I can't see him anymore. I don't think there's a good chance of him coming over here because something spooked him, and I think there's a better chance that if that doe is gonna head in any given direction, I think she's gonna head towards the west because that seems to be where most of these deer are transitioning out towards. So, right. I sneak out of that stand, sneak up to the front of the property, get into the new tree stand, and within an hour of being in the new tree stand, I spot Holyfield. Man. Um, heading this way. And now he's not with a doe, though. He seems to be back on the hunt. So he lost that doe, or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe he wasn't even bedded with that doe. Maybe he had bedded down. I just happened to see her, and 
Um, cause I never saw her after like I saw her and then I found him and then I could never see her again. I just could see him for the, the two hour period. Um, so I don't know what happened, but he was not with her anymore. Um, but now I see him chasing a doe and then this other really nice buck, um, this three and a half year old that I've been calling survivor. Um, cause I'm yeah. trying to will him to survive this year. Like I'm trying to make yeah. it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, he was chasing does and all these young bucks and they're all bumping around this cover. This is back in that same cover where I saw him all the time last year. Again, this is on the right. neighbors. Um, and I'm watching this happen and then they disappear and then it's getting, I don't know, maybe it's uh hour and a half for daylight and some does are coming out and I notice three does walking in towards my stand, which is in this food plot on the edge of this bedding, edge of this bedding cover. And I'm watching the three does come in. And I'm like pressing myself up against the tree, making sure like I'm as tight as it, as I possibly can stay hidden. And, um, and then I catch a glimpse behind him and then out of the brush steps Holyfield, like 65 yards away, heading right into the food yeah. plot. I'm like, Holy crap. Here he comes. There's, there's does in front of him. He's going to follow these does in and it's going to be the easy shot I've been hoping for. Yeah. So I grab my rangefinder, make sure that's handy. I pull my ball off the hanger. I'm getting all ready. And he's walking like he's going to come in. And then just before he gets out of the cover, he stops and he turns like a hard right turn and cuts back into the cover and disappears into it. And he ends up, I didn't know this at the time, but he ends up paralleling the food plot through the cover. And he pops up. There's another opening. I saw him pop out and then he walks behind me, sort of. But this is all neighbor's property still and then i watch him you know 70 80 90 100 yards kind of angling back and behind me then cuts into this timber again and disappears but i thought like wow this it was really close i got the pump i was excited um but again he i think that those does just i think he was following those does and then realized that they weren't in heat um and then he moved on to go look for some others yeah. So where you're going to think, yeah. Do you think that on your tree stand where you've been hunting because you have limited tree stand locations on this property, right? Yes. Very. So and you're hunting a lot. Do you think he's coming through your area after dark and he's, he knows where your tree stand locations are at and he just, he avoids them not necessarily avoids the whole property, but av- avoids your tree stand locations because he's got a whiff and he knows that something could be over there. So he's not going to go check it out in daylight. Yeah. I've definitely thought that a lot and wondered about it a lot. Um, I have this theory and it's, there's no scientific fact to back it up, but I have this theory that deer, especially like mature bucks, well, mature deer can, use their nose to tell time based off of the potency of the scent that they smell. Oh, yeah. And, and that means like if they, they walk through an area and they get a real stiff, you know, Oh shit, something's close. I got to get out of here. Or if they catch this scent and they're like, okay, well it's not very potent. And I think it's been, you know, two hours or whatever they, you know, they can't tell time, but you know, it's not a, it's not <laughs> a threat. You know three. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I know. So, yeah. So, do you, I mean, do you think he's coming through after dark in, in somewhere in those locations? 
so I'm, I'm sure he does. I mean, I get I get pictures of him in these places, um, and I definitely have thought many times like this buck knows that I'm hunting him. He knows where I hunt him at, and mm-hmm. he's avoiding these places. So I, I've tried to change things up more and more, um, but I'm just very limited because I can't ever get eyes on him or see him except for on the edge of this bedding cover. And yeah. the only places I can hunt him are like a couple trees. Like literally, it's not even because again, um, the two spots up towards the front. There's literally only three trees I can hunt from there. Um, I've got trees and I've got stands in two of them, and then the one of them is right smack dab in the middle of those two, and um, would be tough to hunt with a given wind because I can hunt one of these trees with a southerly wind. I can hunt one of these trees with a northerly wind. The other one's right in the middle. It kind of isn't good for any wind because too many deer come out above and below it. Um, so, so I've like, yeah, I don't have a good solution. I've, I've at this point, you know, my my hope coming into the season was that I would stay out. You know, I didn't hunt it at all all October, um, right. and I my hope was that okay, if I don't hunt this area at all until I go in for the kill, you know, late October, then he hopefully won't avoid it, and the does won't avoid it, and I'll get the you know he'll come in. And that just didn't work out. He didn't. He didn't come in at all, you know, during all of that the, period. But it doesn't sound like the deer are avo- are avoiding it, right? So, do you feel that the the your access is good? The and and that your your the pressure that you're putting on this property is uh, is still what you would consider low. Not after, not after what I've been doing here. Not after this rut period. I mean, I've just been going. I mean, I kept it as low as I possibly could until you know October twenty fifth, and mm-hmm. at that point it was okay. Now it's time to kill this buck, and so I was hunting. Every you know, it, it's go time. I told myself I got to kill him at this time period, otherwise I probably won't get a chance. So, been hunting him hard and trying to get in and out as best as possible. But it's a tough place to hunt. It's a tough place to access because of how it's set up with all these fields on the outside. Um, so, so now I know I've made an impact, um, but I'm still, I'm, I'm minimizing as much as possible. You know, I've, I've created a path that I can get into sort of in the mornings to stay away from the fields. I get picked up in the evenings by my wife on a four wheeler or my pickup truck so that I'm not walking out instead. She right. spooks him off. I think those things help me. Um, I mean, it's, de- it's definitely not as bad as it would be if I was walking in and out on my own, but I'm sure, you know, after hunting, you know, what is it? Today's November eighth or ninth, and yeah. I started hunting that property October twenty fifth, and I hunted it almost every day since, um, trying to kill this stupid buck. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I've been trying to change things up though. So you know I, I hunted I hung this new stand this summer to hunt with southerly wind. So I'd never hunted there before. Um, I haven't seen him from that stand this year yet, but I saw him from it last year when I hung a hanging hunt there once. Um, and then, like I told you, after seeing him a couple times, um, I hung a new stand and then I saw him there a couple times from that. You know, I saw him when he bedded and all that, that was a new stand. Um, so where does that take us to take us to, so we were talking about, there was the food plot night. He looked like he was coming in, but he didn't, he paralleled and then went to this other section that takes me to the next morning. So I've now seen him. Um, two days in a row, morning okay. and evening both. Um, and now I'm thinking, okay, I've seen him five times in three sits, 
it's all in the same little tight area, like a 10, 15 acre little block. Um, but I didn't have a good wind direction to hunt. Well, basically there's no good morning stands around there either. Um, because it's all field edge source of, or, or not all field edge, but relatively open. But I'd hung a new stand this summer um, just for this kind of situation. Again, like I told you, I've got a little bit of timber on the far back side of this little core area of his. Um, I usually don't see him in there this time of year, um, but I knew it was in that basic neck of the woods. Now this yeah. year, I had been seeing him more. I had, Most of my encounters had been towards the back this year unique compared to every other one. So right. I had this new stand hung back there. I thought, all right, I'm going to go back in there. Even though he's been up in the front, you know, last night, the last two nights, I'm going to try here in the back. Maybe he'll cruise through here in the morning. Um, it's tucked in back behind this food plot, maybe like 60 yards into the timber from this food plot. And I've got doe bedding areas on either side of me, one to the northeast, one to the southwest. Um, and I'm back in the timber there. I thought there's a decent chance of seeing something happen there. So this is, uh, Oh, Tuesday morning, I think. Um, and I get in there, good start to the morning. I see a survivor, my three and a half year old chasing does. I see some two year olds chasing does year and a half olds all over the place. Does running around. It's going good until about nine o'clock. Um, and then nine o'clock, it just shut off. Yeah. From nine to yeah. ten, from nine to ten, it was really quiet, nothing going on. Um, from ten to eleven, really quiet, nothing going on. Um, but I'm sitting all day, and I should say, like, all these days, I've been I've been hunting all day. Um, so Man. it's like eleven o'clock, and as any of us would do, middle of the day, um, you know, I'm looking at my phone every once in a while, and um. You know, I hadn't seen anything in two hours. I've got my phone pulled up. I was reading a book, actually. And, I, you know, I look at my phone, look up, scan around, look down at the phone for a few seconds, look up, scan around. Um, but I had stood up because, you know, I'd been sitting all morning and my legs needed to stretch. So I was standing up. It was kind of a light breeze. And then my head was right next to my Ozonics unit because I was standing. Yeah. So I'm facing one direction. And because of that, I can't hear very much looking at my phone, look up, look at my phone, look up. And I hear a twig snap behind me. I spin my head around to look and there's a deer at 20 yards away. But right as I spin, he turns and bounds away and starts running away. He saw you move. Yeah. He saw me move when I spun around, he was at 20 yards and I look at this deer and I realize it was Holyfield. Holy shit. I had Holyfield at 20, 25 yards at 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Beautiful, perfect shooting lane, wide open. And uh, I was looking at my stupid phone. And uh, and he, he ran off, and then he stopped like 70, 80 yards away, turned and looked back at me, and then started blowing, and then just slowly walking away, blowing the whole way. Oh, shit. And, yeah, I... I was just like crushed in that moment. Like you called Furter and said, let's go to Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty close to it. Um, Yeah, man, I was so, so, so upset with myself. You shouldn't be upset because if you were sitting down and had your head up and was paying attention, dude, I have had deer 
literally make no noise in certain scenarios. I'm, I take it the ground was soft because it had been raining up there. Mm-hmm. And these deer can come up underneath of your stand and you you can't even hear them. So it's not like you did anything wrong. I know. I mean, well, I mean, if I, I keep, I mean, you know, I try not to play the what if game, but if I hadn't been yeah. on my phone and if I was just scanning like I'm usually doing, I would have seen him pop out of this cover behind me. I would have seen him just walking across this wide open timber. I mean, walking right towards me. I mean, it's, just, you know, yes, it was a little bit unlucky that, that it happened to be the one time that I was standing up, not being able to hear anything with the unit next to my head and kind of soft ground and all these different things led to a situation like that. Um, but it was, it was just that feeling and I'd already been, you know, how I've been, how I was Mm -hmm. last year and how I am this year, this deer has kind of consumed everything. Um, I'm constantly thinking about, I was telling further the other day, um, that I'm waking up in the middle of the night, like two, three in the morning and I just wake up and it's like, it's like, where am I going to hunt with a Southeast wind? And then I'm Uh like, and then I'm just sitting there literally like I wake up out of nowhere my alarm hasn't gone off, and it's not like looking at the phone to see what time it is. It's just wake up and what am I going to do today? Where am I going to go? What's he doing? I yeah. mean, it's become like um, just kind Obs- of obsession. Yeah. And so I've put in so much work, so much energy, so much time over these last few years, and there it was. Like I had my opportunity. It was right there. And because I'm an idiot and I was looking at my phone and not focusing – I let it slip through my fingers and you know, I probably will never get another, I don't know about this, but you, you, you don't get very many second chances on a buck like that where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I had a mental breakdown at that moment. I kind of broke down, was really, really upset. And then, um, and then, you know, after like a half hour, an hour of feeling sorry for myself and being pissed off at the world, then I said, all right, well, it is what it is. This is where you gotta, you know, show Mm -hmm. that this is where you got to kind of take that mental toughness and grit it out and push forward and move on and keep at it. So I knew he wasn't coming back to that tree stand that day. So I pulled down, moved back to um, another spot again, (laughs) the same couple spots I have that I can hunt up towards the front of the property. And um, not too long after there he is spotted him again. Um, and he's uh, chasing does, running around, and then eventually it looked like he locked onto a doe. And then for the rest of the evening, for another like hour and a half, two hours, I'd watched him just like stand next to a bush, and then slowly walk around the bush, and then stand by the bush, and then walk. And then the doe would squirt out of there, and then he'd follow the doe another ten yards over, and that's what happened all night. He stayed back in that cover with that doe. Um, and that was that. That was uh, that was yesterday. And, um, and meanwhile, my buddies Furter and Corey had gone down to Ohio and, um, I was supposed to go down to Ohio with them, but I'd been pushing it off, pushing it off, trying to kill Holyfield. And I don't know, I just had been stressing and then this happened and everything. And I was like, you know what? I just need a change of scenery. I've been hunting this spot too much, even though I'm seeing Holyfield, I kind of just need to get away from it for a little bit. Um, so after the evening hunt last night, I drove down to Ohio and uh, hunted here today, and just kind of recentering myself. Yeah, dude. I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but I think you need to throw that buck a curveball. And I, I mean, I, agree. 
I mean something that is you don't plan it, you just do it. And I'm talking about sitting in a fence row on the ground or like where he is all the time that's not in your stand. And it's one of those things where it's almost like you have to have a conversation with yourself that's am I am I willing to bust this buck off my property with such an aggressive move? Or I could, you know, I call these the, you know, I call them like 50, 50 hunts. Uh, sometimes I go in and there's a 50% chance it works or there's a 50% chance I get busted based off the wind, you know, a, a, a real hard quartering wind or uh, an access route or, you know, all these things that we try to be so fragile with, um, that go into the strategy of hunting these deer. It's, you know, it's time to take a risk on, on one of those factors and throw a curveball at him and make him like, go. Oh, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. I, I, Cause I think, I think this buck has the one up on you right now yeah. from where, where you are sitting on, on your farm. I mean, definitely at the front of the food or the front of the property. Yes. Like I basically, I, I basically know that I'm just leaning on the fact that one of these days, maybe I'll get lucky enough that he's with a hot dough that he just can't leave. Like he did that one time last year. Um, mm -hmm. But towards the back, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've got a little, a few more options. He just doesn't come back there very often. Um, but you know, where I had my shot opportunity was from a stand that I had never hunted. Well, I'd, I'd hunted it one other time this year, so it was the second time I hunted that stand, and uh, he right. passed by it. And then he passed by another spot on my property twice that I'd never hunted. It was about sixty yards away from a stand I had, but not yeah. shootable from there. Um. So when I get back from Ohio, I'm just going to stay down here for another day or two. Um, so I'll be back to Michigan here soon, and I'll have a handful of days before gun season. I am going to just try some different stuff because at this point, you know, I've seen him a half a million times. I know where mm -hmm. I can sit and where I can see him probably, but I don't really care about seeing him anymore. I just want right. to shoot him now. Um, right. So at this point, might as well try something that, like you said, it's either going to not work at all. I'm not going to see him at all, or I could spook deer, or maybe it could be the the switch up that that'll work. So I'm going to yeah. focus a little more on the back of the property in the mornings. Um, I've got two other stands in the back of these bedding areas that I have not hunted at all this year. Um, yeah. I haven't had a wind that I could hunt them with, um, but I think I will have those winds coming up. So I'm going to try those. A, here's a here's a random question for you. Mm -hmm. are there other bow hunters in your area right now yes how close to you uh i don't know i know there's one other property that has a crossbow hunter that's uh yeah. probably hunting weekends right now that's I mean, it's right next to the property, but from like the core area that I see Holyfield all, all the time, yeah. you know, a couple hundred, 300, 400 yards from there. There's another small property that butts up to his little core area that I think has two different guys that bow hunt it. And I think that they might be hunting now. Um, and then do you, there's, do you, do you think that, you know, you've mentioned this before you've mentioned that rattling doesn't work in Michigan. Right. Um, and you try, you know, you do your grunting and your snort wheezing, but you don't rattle because it just, I don't know whether it's a negative, it has a negative con connotation to these bucks. It scares them or whatever. But 
I think if you next time you see him alone by himself, I think it'd be worth a try, dude. I don't know. I mean, I at this but point, do you at, really at this think, point, it's yeah, I can't. Uh, what were gonna say? Sorry, I was gonna say, do you really think? I mean, he he just busted you in the tree stand. Yeah, can't right? get any and worse than that, right? He's still in the area. It's That's true. like he saw you visually, and he potentially busted you scent wise, maybe. Right, he, he didn't. He didn't win me. He just saw me. He didn't. He didn't win you, but he did see you. Okay, yeah. that's good. So, just rattling in general. I don't think if you have the wind right, I don't think it's going to hurt anything. I think I tend to agree now. At least at this point, like I've already, yeah. I've already made an impact. Like, yeah, uh, there's not much to lose now. So, yeah, I rattled to him once last year, and he ran away from it. So that's why I've been oh, so okay. hesitant to do it. Um, but. Is he point, the dominant buck on the property? He has to be. I mean, I've never, I've, I haven't yeah. seen any other buck that's anything older than three and a half. Um, there's yeah. one three and a half year old. There's a couple two and a half year olds. There's seventeen thousand year and a half olds, um, yeah. and then there's him. So he, you would yeah. think he's the dominant buck, but he does not. I mean, I've, he has not shown any kind of positive reaction to any kind of call. Um, uh, so, decoy question mark. Same kind of thing. There's just there's so many does. I'll see thirty. 30 does a night you know i just think that it would just be them blowing at it all night yeah um, yeah but you know who knows maybe maybe it's worth trying something crazy because you know gun season's coming up soon and at that point all bets are off um yep. now here's here's the other thing though if he can make it through gun season i feel like i have a very very good chance of killing him in these usual places that i hunt him because despite okay. the fact that I hunt him in these places often, like more than I wish I would, um, now I haven't done it as much this year. Like last year, I hunted these couple stands a bunch because I kept seeing him, so I kept hunting him. But this year, I've I've had more stands hung for different situations. So I've only hunted the front stand um, three times, which is you know you don't want to hunt much more than that. Um, right. And I hunted the back plot stand twice. Um, so I've still kept it, you know, a lot less than past. But um, what I'm trying to say is that in the late season, he throws caution to the wind when going to these food sources that I've got planted there. Um, both years, 2015 and 2016, I have like 10 to 15 days during the month of December that he visits those locations during daylight hours. Yeah. Um, so if I can make him... If I can, if he can make it through gun season, and if I don't spook him at all during that time period, if I could let him, you know, establish, reestablish a sanctuary there, I do think I've got a very good chance of killing him once we get into December. And I can do like a get back to that drone strike approach, and just yeah. wait till the right conditions, go in there once, and hopefully kill him. Um, yeah. But, but I also at this point, you know, you just don't know if I'll make it through gun season, so I'm kind of throwing caution to the wind right now because I need to try to kill him before you know there's 60 guys in my little neck of the woods versus you know 12 or 13 or whatever so yeah yeah so i don't know man it was um it was very disheartening to have had that opportunity right there and to screw it up but uh yeah. gonna keep at it and we'll just see what happens so yeah, absolutely absolutely man that's a that's that's like the most frustrating part right i've had a couple bucks in my lifetime that i've chased like you're chasing uh and it is 
man, it can be frustrating when you think you're doing everything right. And then it's like you miss an opportunity or you feel like you're one step behind the entire time. Yeah. That's hunting. All right. That's absolutely hunting. So the good thing is though, every once in a while, all the hard work and time and energy, it pays off. And, uh, I hear that that happened for you. Yeah. I tell you what, man, I, Tell me about your ruckation. But before that, real quick now, we're going to hear from our partners at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Gabe Adair, a land specialist out of southern Iowa. And Gabe is going to be telling us about what the primary factors are that make for quality hunting ground. You know, there's a a couple that stick out, I guess, the most. Um, One would be neighborhood. I think you got to have you've got to have the structure around you. Um, I've even seen, you know, in my line of work, I've seen enormous farms struggle, you know, and I say enormous, I'm talking thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand acre farms struggle. If you don't have structure around you, like-minded neighbors, you know, on the same program, or at least close to the same program, everybody's gonna have their differences, of course, but you know, um, I think you got to have you know, the right people around you to really get near to that upper age class. And so I think that's first and foremost. And then that kind of leads into the second one where, you know, depending on what you're after, um, you've got to be in the right area as far as genetics. you got to be where big deer are at. You know, if, if, if you're in an area where you're, you know, your, your goal is to shoot 150-inch five-year-old buck, obviously there's a lot more places that a guy can get into something like that. But, you know, definitely the second one would be if you're after top, top end, if, you know, if everybody's wanting to shoot Boone and Crockett type animals or even that, that new pinnacle that I deal with more and more every day is 200. You know, I, I, I hear about it, deal with it, and see it way more. Um, you know, you've got to be where those animals even have a chance to be. And so, you know, the two things I would say is obviously neighborhood structure around your property, and then your property's got to be in an area where it's going to, where it's going to produce or have at least have a chance to produce what you're wanting to harvest. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Gabe currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Adair. That's A-D-A-I-R. Dude, I've had an amazing rutcation. Um, I got into town Friday night uh, after, uh, let's see, I packed my stuff up. I got into town and, um, the family was in town. I mean, they came for Friday night, which was cool. And, uh, Saturday morning, uh, see like, so I'll just, I'll just kind of run you through these last five days uh, or whatever, however many days, day one, Friday night, you know, and man, we've been having a ton of East winds and I never plan for East winds this time of year. Right. So I had no stands hung for an East wind. So I'm just like, okay, if I can't get into this bedding area that I want to get into, I'm going to set up down from it. Um, and I, this this field, this would have been the closest I hunted to a field edge all year, right? I was like 50 yards off this field edge. And so I could see into it. So I run and gun down in here. My wind is blowing almost straight east down into this creek. And I'm just set up in a good spot, ready to start seeing movement, you know, like this, uh, 
make the observation and then possibly move in. Mm-hmm. And so that night I get in, get in this, you know, get the stand set up and instantly I start seeing does, you know, and young bucks running around chasing each other, you know, you know, the young bucks are chasing, uh, had a, a really good eight pointer come up. I'd say like, uh, Oh, he was, he was a two year old with a good rack, uh, eight pointer. I'd, I'd put him at about one twenty eight eight pointer. Pretty cool. Um, he walked by a couple does walked by some button bucks walked by, you know, I, I was like, well, maybe this isn't going to turn out to be an observation set. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they're coming off the bottom of this Creek and they're working my way. You know, my wind was blown into the Creek, but they were coming up the Creek, you know, like paralleling my wind, which was awesome. And I thought, well, geez, man, something, you know, a lot of these deer bed in these Creek, right. You know, the, these timber thickets right on, on there. And I got the food source here. So, Maybe I'm actually in a good spot. Well, I see a handful of deer, and then all all of a sudden I see this big buck in the field with his nose to the ground. And I pick up the horns because he was traveling like he was going somewhere, right? Nose to the ground, sniffing, sniffing. I crack the antlers, or I, I wait for him to get into the timber. I put the antlers together, crack them hard, do this like one-minute rattling sequence, throw it out, and he is dead sprinting Uh i mean he is hauling ass right to me wow and he comes to the corner 50 yards away and there's no shot there uh and i but what that does it gives me an opportunity to put my binoculars on him and check to see if he's mature he's a three-year-old i'd say i'd say 150 give or take five inches on each each side okay so he ends up coming through and he's 12 yards in in front of me for i don't even know how for how many minutes uh he just was milling around looking for this fight a couple a couple does were coming up so then he ended up turning around chasing him so i ended up passing this 150 inch uh 10 pointer really good it was just a combination of i got the opportunity and the reason i'm saying this is kind of foreshadowing for the ending of this my rutcation, but I got the opportunity to observe him. I got the opportunity to look at, you know, his body. I, the body said he's three years old. He's not a shooter in that department. He's got a great rack, but he's just not what I'm looking for on day one of my, uh, of my vacation. So had that encounter, you know, more deer come in and out and then some coyotes come up behind me and they, they blow the field out, which was great because it was right at last light. And it gave me the opportunity to walk in the, through the middle of the field back to my truck. That's nice. Saturday morning, I decided, you know what? My family's here. I'm going to sleep in and I'm going to hang with the family uh, until they leave. And then I'm going to go out for that evening hunt on Saturday night. So Saturday night, uh, so I play with the kids for a while, play with the family. Um, they leave, I get ready. So I go to the timber pretty early and I, I, for some reason I said, I got this Northeast wind and I said, you know what, I'm going to give this wind a shot in my best area. And I need a, basically a straight West wind for it. Typically I hunted on a straight West wind. Um, and I said, you know what, I think I've never tested this before, but I think that I'm going to go in to this, this tree stand that I have in there and I'm going to let the wind and I'm going to check the wind 
to see what it does. I have a feeling that it's going to go down the timber line just a bit where these deer come from. But I think as this crick kind of curves away, that that crick is going to suck all the wind in and blow the wind down the crick. And sure enough, I was dropping those. You know, I got into my tree stand, got set up. I, I had my access route was a little risky getting in because if there was deer bedded in this uh, thicket along the creek, my wind walking in would have went through it. You know, I, I spray myself down with a uh, nose jammer, you know? So I feel that if they're exposed to that scent, whether it's the nose jammer or me or a combination of it for a very short period of time, they tolerate it as opposed to, you know, if I was just standing there all night and let my wind blow in there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I, I think they tolerated it for very short periods of time. I ended up bumping two does on the, this point across the Creek from me on a different farm, but you know, it's real close. The property border is the Creek. And so my wind does exactly what I thought it was going to do. It went down just a ways, but then it dropped hard into the Creek and it just blew out the back of the Creek uh, down to the property. So none of my wind was going anywhere where deer were walking unless downwind they crossed the Creek somewhere. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there. I, I see a, you know, like a couple small tens come through a couple small eights, you know, some two year olds basically are walking through. Um, it's getting, oh man, it's getting like four o'clock now. This is before, no, no. Yeah. This is before the time change. Saturday night would have been the time change. So maybe it was five, but I'm sitting there and I hear a, 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 uh, a branch crack behind me and I turn around and it's another big, buck uh i got trail camera pictures of him he's he's a 10 with split brows he's gonna probably be in the low 150s as well uh just out to his ears 10 pointer decent mass and he he comes within eight yards of my stand and this is is third day third big 150 plus buck this is second day oh second second day still sorry yeah second day and cause I hunted my first day was Friday. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just going, Oh man, I don't like, I don't want my season to be over right now. I don't want it to be over. And I think he's a three-year-old, you know, and I, you have these moments where if like, if you have to question it or talk yourself into something, then I don't think it's a a good idea to shoot it. Right. right I want right. to shoot it because I want to shoot it. Not because I'm talking myself into it to it. Yeah. So all these things were running through my head. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let him go. So I let him go. Right. I, I let him go. And so I'm sitting there and I look, and this is probably 10, 15 minutes after this buck leaves. I turn and I look in the field and it's one of my hit listers at about a hundred and 50, 200 yards, give or take. And he, he's in the field, head down. And I put my binos up. I'm like, who is that? Who is that? He puts his head up, kind of looks, scans the area. And I instantly know what buck it is. I pick the antlers up and I just go boom, as loud as I could. I mean, you rattle so hard that you can smell the antlers 
<laughs> you know, those kind of those kind of rattling sequences where you can smell the heat coming off from the fr- friction. And he turns his body and he starts walking real slow right towards me. And I'm like, holy shit, this is I'm 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 going to rattle in a mature buck. Like that was the thought that crossed my mind. So he disappears behind some trees. I can't see him. This is 30, like 30 minutes goes by and he's closer. Uh, but he's taking his time and feeding. Right. So he gets to the corner of this field and he starts to basically eat. So I throw out a snort wheeze at him, you know, when he pops his head up and he looks in and he, he, he like his ears don't go back, but he kind of it's almost like he's throwing his shoulders up, like he's getting pissed. And like, who is in, who's in there? I know I beat everybody's ass in there. I, who's trying to, you know, challenge me. And he, he like kind of walks in this big circle, but he, he, I don't know. You ever see a moose, you know, they, they walk with that big, you know, that big antler sway. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Big antler sway. Mm. He's doing, he's doing that out in the field to some other little bucks. Uh-huh. Like, Showing him his antlers, it almost looked like he's I, I showing do know him. What like you're talking about, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the paddle sweat, you know. Yeah, yeah. So this buck's doing that out there, and the other bucks are kind of working their way away from him. Like, okay, this guy is, means business. And then I do this grunting sequence, like another buck's tending a grunt, you know, tending a doe, and they're like, bap, 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 you know, yep. And he he looks in. Almost like he knows he's going to go in there and do whatever he wants to anyway, so he's going to continue eating. Ten minutes pass of him eating at, oh, I'm going to say inside 100 yards, somewhere between 80 and 100 yards. And he drops into this real thick stuff. I'm, hunt, I'm hunting some edge. Uh, and it kind of opens up in front of me. This is That's where all the sign is. But it gets real thick. Remember we talked about my property that they logged it a couple yep. years ago? Yep. And now it's just thick and nasty back there it's beautiful and so he goes in there and disappears and i'm like where the hell did he go well out of there pops another doe and a young buck chasing her right and he pops out again in the field right and he he's running down or he's not running he just steps out the other buck chases this doe away the doe's running away and he lets this young buck like he knew she wasn't ready to breed yet maybe that that was my assumption well this big buck comes back into the timber right where he left and then disappears for 15 minutes i hear a branch break in the creek behind me and there's a doe and i look further down the creek and there he is and he's coming right at me with this doe and we go through this the doe, I'm speeding this up, but the doe walks into the shooting lane, walks by it down into the creek, and he does the same thing. And he stops to smell where she's at. And I draw back, anchor, pin on, let the pull the trigger. And I'm just like, you know, it's like when these guys shoot the three pointers and they know it's in, they just turn around and walk away. Yeah. That's how I felt. Did, like, you, did, I, you, did you turn around and walk away mid shot? <laughs> yeah, I looked. I looked back at the camera that wasn't there, and I was like, <laughs> j- "Like nailed it!" You know, Smoked like him. I was. Yeah, I was that confident that that this buck was going to get hit by my arrow. Like I was, I was just. I knew it. How far was shot? Was it? It was twenty eight yards. 
28 yards, completely broadside down in a creek. And all, and then in that moment, it, I mean, we're talking in a matter of a second. I'm, I go from confident to what the hell just happened because not now I don't see my knock leaving. I see my broad head and then my arrow turned sideways. I glanced a very, very small branch that was in the way that I couldn't even see until I like, what the hell happened? So I picked the binoculars up and I, I see this. I mean, it's the tiniest, littlest branch there. And my arrow hit it and just like started tail spinning. And this buck pops up on top of the creek and now he's at 40 and I'm just like, you know, what the hell? And I launch, I launch another arrow and I'm, I rush the shot and everything. And, uh, it was not, I should have never taken it, but it was a complete miss, right? Shanked, shanked that shot. Um, and I, I kind of went through in that, in that 24 hours, I went through what you went through. Like, Oh my God, I just missed the biggest buck of my life. Yeah. Or, you know, like it wasn't necessarily my fault, but it was my fault because I didn't, you know, I didn't see the twig. I should have seen the twig. I didn't see the twig. The twig affected the shot, you know, and I got 150, 160 class, five-year-old eight pointer that is gone. Right. And he showed up on trail cameras the next couple days, but I mean, I was, let's say the, the next day he showed up, I was back in that same tree stand to the South because I had a, like, it was a Southeast wind. So the wind was blowing right into where he would have been coming from. So I could, I can't hunt that, you know, that's mm-hmm. just, that's just dumb. You can't take a risk like that. So I bounce that, that, see, that was Saturday night, Sunday morning. I get up and I go to a completely different part of the farm and I sit there. See, today's Tuesday, right? We're recording this on a Tuesday Uh, or Wednesday. Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. So I'm trying to think of of what I did, but for Friday, let's see, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I saw shooters the entire time. Um, uh, let's see Sunday morning I get uh, into the timber was it Sunday morning yeah Sunday morning I get into the timber and it is perfect you know I set this uh, tree stand up in a pinch point money winds blowing exactly it's doing exactly what I wanted it to do and the deer are starting to move through this pinch point like a couple does two young bucks and all of a sudden, I catch some movement out of my left eye, and there is another shooter. Oh my gosh, like man! A, a nine pointer. I'm gonna say 160. Nine pointer, <laughs> wide, huge, uh, nine point. And I'm just like, where? What the where hell? are you hunting? Are you hunting in Iowa or something? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like the farm was just loaded this year. Oh, you know, wow. every once in a while, you'll get that. I, in here, here where I live, I guess anyway, but, uh, but <laughs> yeah. you know, like I, I turn around and he's got his nose to the ground. He's looking. So I'm like, okay, brap, brap. And he, he keeps walking, brap, 
and he, he puts his head up, looks my way, but he, he must've been on a doe that I didn't see. I throw the antlers together and rattle it. I'm like, he's just going to come over. I just know it. And then boom in the timber gun goes off. Oof. Somebody shot a single shot in that. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Ruin, you know, like then the, the movement just shut off. Right. This is one of those stands that, you know, you wanted me to sit all day long to yeah. try to, <laughs> to try to, to see what movement was coming in uh-huh. between 10 and two o'clock. And I, I wanted to do it, but you know, I can't do that when guns are going off. Can I, can I pause your story here really quick? Okay, go for just a, a brief interlude about that very topic. Just want to mention my Holyfield shot opportunity, 11 o'clock. Our buddy, uh, our mutual friend Dustin, he killed a buck at 2.20 in the afternoon a couple days ago. And we just pulled trail camera cards in Ohio and two different yeah. shooters on trail camera at 12.30 in the afternoon and 1.30 in the afternoon. So just a reminder for everyone out there, midday sits can be really good this time of year. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no, you're good, man. You're good. That's a great point. Great point. Except I hate hunting midday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't say I enjoy it either, but, you know. So so then Saturday, I went, or let's see, Sunday night, after seeing that shooter, I had the wrong wind. You know, I wanted to get back down where I was getting all these trail camera pictures of the other bigger bucks, and, and, you know, to try to get in on them again. Sat in the same two stands, and I think that the my my access – and hunting there was starting to affect the uh, maybe some of the deer movement a little bit. I mean, I still saw some great deer. Uh, the does were still there uh, on Sunday evening, uh, and then Monday, Monday morning, I went back down there, and then uh, Tuesday or Monday night, I went back down there, and I bumped walking in to this one stand. I bumped literally 13 does out of their beds walking to the stand. <laughs> Ouch. And I'm just like, well, the bucks don't have any reason to be here now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. unless they're cruising, you know, I, and I don't, I didn't even see what blew out of the back end of this, this bedding area. But, you know, so Monday was over. Tuesday morning, I was back in that same spot hoping that, you know, that they'd filtered in. Sure enough, they came in, you know, I had a hot, hot doe getting chased by, um, two, two year olds pretty, uh, heavily and they were all over the place. Right. So I had, you know, like three or four bucks came through before seven o'clock and then boom, neighboring property gun goes off. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I just want to know what, what these guys are killing, you know, what, what they're killing what with chucks. these guns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> coon raccoon was in the barn, uh-huh. you know, like whatever. <laughs> But okay, so anyway, uh, you know, so I'm having one hell of a rut already. I'm seeing great deer movement. I'm seeing great sign. My trail cameras are consistently showing these deer, um, but I think I'm I think I'm putting too much pressure on the property. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, you know what? What the hell? I I want to go to this new piece of property that I acquired. I didn't hunt any of it. You know, I didn't hunt. I, I've been hunting on it twice, but it was like on the very north end of the farm is just easy access. And it was in early October when I, when I hunted those. And I, I think I told you, I saw like a decent 
a decent buck at dark. I really couldn't tell what he was. Yeah. I was assuming yeah. I was, I, you know, I, I really couldn't tell what he was. So I said, you know what? Oh, and long story short, here's another interlude to that story. I, I was told I was the only bow hunter on there. All right. I go down in there on my second hunt and I see a trail camera in a tree stand. So I, you know, I obviously report that back to the landowner. I said, Hey man, I, there's another tree stand. He's like, I'm calling the DNR. They're going to get this guy for trespassing, whatever, whatever. So he goes, I want you to go down there, take that tree stand down and take that camera down and bring it back to the tree (laughs) or to the house. I'm just like, Oh man, I don't want to get involved in this. (laughs) But if the landowner wants me to do it, I guess I'll do it. I get, I go down there and there's a guy sitting in the tree stand. (laughs) So oh I go, come here. I say, come here. So he gets down <laughs> and I, and he, I go, I go, I don't want to get into any drama, but who are you? And he's like, I'm, my name's so-and-so and I've been hunting here nine years. And I go, nine years. This guy doesn't even know who you are. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so he's like, well, so the guy that I communicate with is the son-in-law to the property owner. The property owner is in a hospital because he broke his hip, right? And he's getting rehabbed out. So, so he's, uh, he's telling me that he's been hunting here for nine years. Like, okay, I don't care. Like I, I got shit to do. I'll just go hunt on the different part of the farm, whatever. It's good. It's a decent farm. So, so that, that happened. So, Last night, you know, I'm like, screw it. I don't have any, I have nothing to go on other than what I've learned over the years, right? Read sign, play the wind, play terrain, right? So I parked my truck, I'm loaded up, running gun style. You know, we've done it a hundred times and I'm walking in facing the, you know, face to the wind and the property lays kind of like a upside down L with a thick part of the bottom L. Um, you know how it's there's, so there's a corner in there, right? Yep, yep. And that corner is a very narrow logging trail or like just enough for an ATV. And then to, it drops down into a ravine and that ravine is just very thick. You know, like one of those things that if someone you get, you let the new guy shed hunt that part of the farm <laughs> yeah. because he's going to be on his hands and knees, you know? So I'm walking in, I'm following these fence lines, you know, and every overhanging tree, and I'm not exaggerating here, every overhanging tree on this field had a scrape in it and it looked like they were fresh, right? I mean, just like it's tore up from scrapes, you know, not huge rubs, but you know, there was little rubs all along the field. So I'm like, man, something's working in here, you know, who knows what it is. So I got to find a way that my wind is not going to blow into this logging trail, but I can still hunt the top of this ridge because my goal was to set up in a tree to where I was close enough to the thick stuff, you know, hunting that edge. At the same time, I wanted to be looking into the valley to observe any motion on the opposite side of the ridge, you know. That was, that was cause this ridge ran the entire length of the farm. So I wanted to make it an observation set, but I wanted to do it in a way that if a deer did come by through this thick stuff, because you know, deer don't typically work their way, you know, they're not walking on the top of the ridge, right? They're down off the ridge, right. you know, so they can smell everything. But I, it, it was hard for me to hunt, hunt that 
because I wanted to I wanted my wind to not blow right down that edge. So if something did decide to um, hunt on the two, you know, walk on the two track, that my wind really wasn't um, going to blow down there. So I came off just a bit. And it was one of those 50-50 hunts where I felt if something was going to come and the wind shifted just a bit, I was screwed. But luckily it, it held true and it blew out into this field, into the CRP field and um, uh, stayed there the entire night. So I was cut. It was, it was literally like a 40-foot difference where my, uh, you know, my wind trackers went when I was, you know, testing my wind. And sure enough, man, I sit up in this tree and immediately start seeing deer. Uh, it was like, as soon as I clamped in, brought my bow up and hung it up, deer started moving. I saw before the buck that I ended up shooting, I saw five bucks all within shooting range working this ridge. And I'm just like, wow, I, this, and this is what I'm really proud of. I'm proud of the fact that I read sign I read terrain and I played the wind aggressively and it allowed me to set up to catch deer movement and not get busted. That's an accomplishment for anybody. I don't care how seasoned you are or inexperienced you are. If you can do those three things and get close to deer, you're doing something right. For sure. As far as far as a, a strategy standpoint, you know, now shooting a deer is a whole different story. If you, but if you can do those things, you're going to get close to, to deer. Well, after these bucks work through two does out of nowhere, there's no, there's no real egg. This is all timber. Like there's, I think on the neighboring farm, there might be some food plots, but I couldn't see any through my binoculars. It looked like they just had a, di- a huge disked up field. Like they harvested it and then overturned the overturned it so there was nothing for them to eat so but there was plenty you know there's plenty of stuff in the timber to eat and two does come out of this bottom ridge or or where the ridge kind of keeps going comes up over top did exactly what i thought they were going to do drop off the ridge just a little bit as to not like skyline themselves and they were working the thick stuff through and they worked by me and they were just like they were in front of me eating on a bush for like, man, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden the doe pops her head up and looks down the ridge. And I couldn't see what she was looking at right away. And she, she puts her head up. And then all of a sudden I hear like a, like some heavy movement coming through the timber. And she kind of notices something was coming at her and drops down. And I'm like, okay, there's a buck coming. And the, the three of those bucks had worked their way up that way. And I thought, well, maybe one of them's coming back. So I put my binos up and I see movement, but I can only see from half of the deer up. So I can't see its legs. I can't see its whole body. Um, I can see part of its head and antlers like, cause it's real thick. Right. I look up and I'm like, oh my God, that, and it, all I, I never saw this deer head on. I saw him broadside only. And I'm like, that is a big buck. Like the mass on his tines. I mean, he just looked huge and then he starts working his way. I kind of lost him, uh, but I knew he was coming and then he intercepted those does and those does went up the ridge and 
he turned around and he followed those does up the ridge. And I'm like, well, I have no idea what this buck is. I need to get a better look at him. So I, I literally did this. That was it. And he stopped and I could see his antler swing around and look back at me in, in my general direction. And I saw him lick his lips. Like, you know, like, you know how these deer get excited and they're drooling and they're just like, <laughs> he licks his lips and he turns around and he comes to investigate. And he is, he just, I can't get a good look on him. You know, like the other two deer I passed this week, I was able to put my binoculars on him. I was able to get a good look at him and I was able to say, you know what? That is a, that is not a shooter. I'm going to pass. Right. I couldn't do this with this buck because he was in such thick cover and then he's getting close. So I'm just like, oh, man, I got I got to I got to make a decision here. And I couldn't I couldn't tell. So I, you know, I picked my bow up. I got ready to draw back. He's coming into an opening that's about 20 yards away. But that opening is it's like a stretch where I just got lucky, I guess. And and there was a shooting lane kind of naturally there. And it was thick, it was thick, and his kind of antlers popped out. And I'm like, okay, that's a that's a big buck. I, I draw back, and all of a sudden he steps out and he's our my I'm my anchor point. I didn't really check his body like I probably should. Uh, he looked massive broadside from you know in the antler department. And I, you know, it was one of these decisions that I had to make in that one small opening that I had, and it was shoot him or lose him. Right. And I shot him. Right. And I drilled him. And he, he takes like, he go, I hear the, I hear the, and I hear this, all this air come out of him. Like he just got punched in the gut. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. Like I just gut shot him. And it was a little back, but it was, it didn't seem too far back. And, and, I'm just like, oh my God, I got shot him, but he didn't run. He, so he, he, he kind of walked off very slow about 15, 20 yards. And he, he stood there all haunched up and I put my bot, my, like I put my binos back on him and not really like judging his body because of my adrenaline was pumping, but I was looking at his rack. Like, dude, that's a decent rack. That's a good rack. Um, you know, that is a good rack. And you know, I just was like, I was happy, right? I'm just like, oh my God, I just did it. You know, I got that, I got that post shot pump. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Woo! and I started freaking out. You know, I'm that guy who gets emotional when, when I harvest an animal, but I wasn't like a hundred percent sure yet. And cause he's sitting there and he's going, Ugh. and I didn't see any blood coming out of him. Right. Cause I didn't hit lung. I didn't hit heart. I was back behind the diaphragm on the shot. Um, and he was kind of stretched out when I shot him. So when I shot him and he started walking, that skin came back from what it looked like over the hole in his, in his, uh, ribs. And he, he wasn't bleeding very well because that it was so far back. And I, that's what made me think I got guts. So he walks, he, he starts to make this half loop. And so I get another arrow ready. I'm like, Oh, he might come back around and I'm going to shoot him again. He's kind of coming up from behind me now. And then he gets that wide, his tail starts going. I'm like, uh Oh, that's oh, not yeah. a good sign for him. Right. And then he starts getting wide legs. Right. 
when they're they're <laughs> late where he's trying to get a bigger base under him and then no, he starts done, taking man. then he then he starts losing his balance and I'm like dude he is toast he's toast and he he starts then he gets back up again and I'm like uh-oh what happened like he's get, like then he postures up and he's he looks fine and then that was it he he took this he took these three wobbly steps he he laid down put his head down and then from the time I shot him to the time he expired was probably three minutes, uh, three, four minutes. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I just shot the one of like the biggest buck of my life. Right. Yeah. And I, I was pumped. I called my, called my wife. I called my stepdad. I called, uh, my buddy Ben and I was just like, Oh, you know, I was texting people. I was like, Oh shit, this is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I'm happy. I'm excited. I, Heck yeah. I'm excited. And I'm dude, I'm still excited. And I feel like there's a butt uh, coming though. A what? A butt. Like you're, well, you're you're building this all up like I was, I was, I was, but no, and I, I am. I am. Dude, I am. So and I'm sure this has happened to a lot of people. I get down out of my tree stand and I walk over to the deer and I look at it and I'm like, hmm. You know the, the People use the term ground shrinkage, right? Uh-huh. This deer was not what I thought it was. Now, don't confuse that for me being unhappy with this. Don't confuse that with me being um, like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. I only shoot big bucks, you know, like that kind of shit. <laughs> don't, don't, get, don't get a negative kind of connotation with that. This buck was not what I thought it was, but I am happy. I am thankful. I am like, I'm pumped. I'm still pumped that I shot this deer. It's just not, it's just not what I thought it was when it was coming through the thick timber. Right. I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I'm jacked. I'm happy. You know, I got a, I got a buck at the taxidermist. I have a, you know, a, a freezer full of meat coming. Everything that, I did, and this is, and like I said to you, I'm very proud of this fact. I was able to run and gun, read sign, and and be successful on a first hunt in, and I've never done that before, right? That's awesome. Heck yeah! And this buck, this buck is awesome. Awesome characteristics. His his dude. I I honestly think, in my opinion, he is a three year old. He could possibly be a two year old. What? I'm not joking. Yes. Dude, really? his body is very small. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. But he had a, a very deceiving rat coming through the timber. And I think that played a role in me shooting him, thinking because his body was so small and I was comparing him to a doe, you know, that's the only thing that really was around at the time. The last year I saw, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to make excuses because the buck does not deserve that. But well, I just want to, I just, it was not what I thought I shot. I thought I shot something bigger. It looked bigger coming through the timber. That doesn't mean shit. Yeah. I mean, it's it, a good it looking buck. Awesome. It's a really it, good looking it, buck. And it, it, the antlers don't mean shit. The, the memory I have will have of this is will last forever. Yep. And the knowledge that I gained through how deer travel through the timber on this farm 
and how I set up on it will be something that I'm going to do again next season when I go to hunt this yep. farm. And it sounds like an awesome hunt. Oh, Definitely. dude, it was. It was money. It, it's it's always good. You know, I don't know how you are, but do you ever – I find myself questioning everything I do. I overthink. I overthink. I overthink. What is, Should I hunt this stand? <laughs> no. Should I hunt this stand? Yep. yep. I know you're guilty of it too. Oh, yeah. And it was good to go in and basically driving down to my main farm, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to this new farm tonight. I'm going to run and gun. I don't – I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to do what we all want to do. Just read the sign, play the wind, play the terrain. And I did it and it worked. And I, I'm, I was so happy. Like I'm happy that, you know, and I'm happy that now I get to go hang with my kids for a while. Right. So it, it just, this was an absolutely awesome rutcation, man. Just the deer that I saw, the deer that I, you know, passed, I mean, a lot of it also had to do with on my other farm, I had trail camera pictures of all these deer. I knew who these deer were, right? I said, oh, well, yeah, I know him. I know he's a three-year-old because I've looked at a thousand pictures of him. All right. On this other, on this other farm, I didn't have any trail camera intel, so I didn't know anybody, right? So you mix that with what all happened and it's just like, uh, well, it's not what I thought it was, but that's okay. You know, something, these things happen for a reason. And, um, again, I, I just want to reiterate, I'm not disappointed in any way with, uh, with the outcome of this. Yeah. I'm very happy. Very happy. Well, I'm happy for you, dude. It sounds like just a, a really, <laughs> a really incredible week. And to have it end like that, even though maybe it wasn't quite as old or as big as you thought, I think to your point, you put together an awesome hunt. You, yeah. you 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 achieved you know the goal of that night, which was to do all those things you mentioned, go into a new spot, figure it out, be within range of deer. And uh, I'll tell you what, ninety five percent of the people out there would probably give their left arm to ever shoot a deer like that. <laughs> so you're doing all right, I'd say you are doing all yeah. right. I can tell you there, there's at least one person here in this hotel room. His name rhymes with birder, <laughs> and he, he, <laughs> he would shoot that buck all day. <laughs> so, so now, now here, here's something you got to think about. Okay, is is I, I ate Chinese tonight. Okay, okay, I and pizza. okay, the fortune cookie in my Chinese food tonight says, "A secret adventure is in store for you." Ooh, okay, that's exciting. Yeah. So here's, here's what I think needs to happen. I think on your way to North Dakota, you need to pick me up. Man, I know when you texted me that I wished we could do that. I hope we could do that, but this dear Holyfield has got me locked down. Oh buddy. But, um, oh, buddy, kill him and then let's go, man. If I can, if I can make it there still, I would love to swing through Iowa and pick you up. <laughs> I'm right on the way, man. I'm right on the right, way. You are too, man. It would be awesome. Yeah, it's a bummer. The way things are going, I don't I don't know if I'm going to get to use that tag at all. A wasted $250 or whatever it was. Yeah. Not even get to hunt the state once. But that was kind well, of the... You roll the dice when you, when you play in all these things like that, right? Yep. Yep, you do. And especially when you go into a season, focus so much on one single deer. Yeah. And uh 
And yeah, live and learn, and you've got to roll the punches and yeah, play the cards you've been dealt, right? Right. So I just, I, w- I just want to say one more thing uh, to everybody who's listening out there. You know, we get on we get on Instagram, we get on Facebook, and we see all these giant deer getting killed, and it's hard not to say, oh man, I really wish I had that. I really, I, I want to do that. I want to, you know, I want to kill a big buck. Ignore that. You have to hunt your hunt and you have to hunt whatever, however style you see fit. Um, whether that's, I don't know, there's so many different ways to hunt, but what I'm getting at is don't compare your style and your deer to anybody else's because they don't hunt the same as you. You don't hunt the same as them, uh, different States, different rules, different, you know, there's so many other things that are out there and it takes away from the true meaning of the hunt and actually, uh, in honoring the animal as well. So don't get caught up in the bullshit is, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I think you need to shoot deer more often, Dan, because like you are on your game, you're on your a game tonight. You got a level of energy and you got some great <laughs> points tonight. Like you are, you're, you're in it tonight, Dan. I like it. I feel like, I feel like I'm out of it. I feel like I'm not like you brought, you brought the energy tonight. So thank you for doing that, Dan. You're, you're keeping the podcast afloat today. <laughs> <laughs> You got some good stuff. I'm here just barely keeping my eyes open and thinking, where am I going to sit tomorrow? <laughs> right. But right. You, I think you make a really a really good point. I think it's really easy to get. And, heck, I'm guilty of it sometimes, too, even though I, I tell myself in the moment, don't do this. Don't let it affect you. But it, sometimes when, when things aren't going your way and you pull up Facebook and see 10 people you know all killed giant bucks, it it can be a little bit demoralizing at times and you just got to fight that and you got to, to your point, enjoy it, focus on your hunt, what you're doing. And that's what I've been trying to do, especially after what happened the other day when I blew my opportunity and I was kind of beating myself up right after that. I kind of realized, you know what, this whole year you've been so focused on just killing this deer, which yes, I'm very goal oriented. I like to achieve my goals. I like to work towards challenging goals. That's great and good. But when that starts to just cause you endless stress and take the fun out of it and all that kind of stuff, and I, I tend to have it. I I am um, I am susceptible to this a lot because of how goal oriented I am. I can every year I'm getting too stressed about something, and I always have to end up like reminding myself to like chill out, enjoy it, you know, and just take a deep breath. This isn't life or death. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to do now. You know, that's why I decided to go to Ohio. I wanted to, you know, go to, go to a new spot for a little bit, hang out with my buddies down here, just have a little fun for a little bit because I, to be honest, I don't know how much fun I was having the last week and a half. Um, I was more just, it was more like, I don't know. I was just caught up in like the, the, the mission of it. And I was like focused on every little thing I did wrong or every little thing I needed to do. And, um, sometimes you gotta say, you know what? I'm hunting because I enjoy hunting. Let's enjoy it. So yeah, absolutely. So I think absolutely. that's that's something we can all try to do this year. This time of year can get stressful because you know everyone. You know we kind of think that the rut is when you got to get done. If I don't get it done now, if I don't kill a buck now, I'm not going to kill one. And um, you know what? Just enjoy it. It's a great time of year. Enjoy that time. Don't let it be all about uh, if you kill or not. Actually enjoy the experience in the process. So. That's what I'm going to try to do these next few days. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, because you're going to blink and it's over. That's true. Very true. And we wait all year for it, so we might as well have fun yep. while it's here. So Absolutely. Well, I think on that note, man, we should shut it down because it's 1030 at night and i got to wake up in like four hours to, <laughs> to head back to a tree stand. And now my, so. my question real quick before we leave is, are you in a hotel with one bed or two beds for you guys? <laughs> we are in a hotel with two beds. Okay. So we do okay, have, cool. We do have some separation. You, you guys, uh, what, put all your gear on one bed and then you share, you two share a yeah, bed? Yeah, of course. I thought that goes up, <laughs> that goes up being said. <laughs> oh, man. Josh Furter Hilliard is, is, uh, very much a part of this podcast episode, even though we didn't let him actually talk. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, if, uh, if there's one person I would ever want to spoon with in a hotel bedroom, it would be old Josh Furter. <laughs> I could, <laughs> he's just over here just and, shaking his head. <laughs> and that is how we end it. And that is how we end it. <laughs> so let's shut this one down. All you guys out there hunting, good luck. And so with that, we will wrap this episode up. Before we go, though, big thank you to our partners at Sitka Gear, Yeti Coolers, Matthews Archery, Maven Optics, the Whitetail Institute of North America, Trophy Ridge, and Huntera Maps. And finally, of course, thank you all for listening. Thanks for being here with us, like I said a second ago. Good luck in the tree, and until next time, stay wired to hunt.